Today, we talk copper. Now, there's a very well-respected mining analyst called Mark Turner, who writes the IKN Weekly, a newsletter focused on mining in South America. And he's a major South America file. And he recently told his subscribers, in no uncertain terms, to cut their exposure to Peru. Sell Peru, he said. It is, as far as mining investment is concerned, off the map. In fact, he went as far as to recommend shorting mining companies with significant exposure to Peru. And the reason? Resource nationalism is coming to South America, he says. Now, Turner, Mark, I know him, knows what he's talking about. He's at the coalface. He lives in Lima and has been there for at least 15 years. Peru's elections are a drawn-out process and the deciding vote comes this June and socialist Pedro Castillo is the front-runner and he is promising super taxes of as much as 70% on mining profits to stop foreign firms looting, as he puts it, the country's mining wealth and the consequences of this are predictable. International companies will stop spending money on both exploration and development. Why would they do anything else if there's no reward for them at the end of it? This means job losses for local. What's more, companies with producing mines will reduce their production so as to leave metal in the ground until a new, more mining-friendly president comes to power, which means diminished supply. Peru is the world's second largest copper producer after Chile. It produced 2.2 million tonnes of copper last year, roughly 12% of annual supply. But it doesn't look like it's going to be the world's second largest producer for much longer. Meanwhile, Reuters reports that Chile, which produced 5.7 million tonnes last year, saw output of the red metal fall for the 10th consecutive month in March, marking a modest but continual slide in production that began shortly after the coronavirus pandemic struck the country. Year-on-year production has fallen by over 2%. The world's next largest producer is China, on roughly 1.6 million tonnes. Yet China's internal production can't even meet its own internal demand, let alone what it needs for its exports. So China is a net importer. In fact, that is an understatement. China alone accounts for over half of world copper demand, followed by Europe, then the US and Russia. It is on a copper buying spree. Between 2005 and 2020, China spent $56 billion acquiring overseas copper assets. It imported over a million tonnes more refined copper last year in 2020 than it did the year before in 2019, and rumours of state stockpiling abound. Copper is in a runaway bull market. Demand is everywhere. Back in 2017, the World Bank was forecasting demand increases of at least 50% over the next 20 years. If the world moves towards a low-carbon energy future, then demand could rise tenfold by 2050, it claimed. Tenfold. The cause, irony of ironies, is the green energy revolution. In terms of metal demand, this revolution is anything but green. There is an immense, underappreciated materials intensity to green energy consumption in its many forms, of which copper is a major constituent. Alternative energy systems are on average five times more copper intensive, reports the Baker Institute Centre for Energy Studies, than conventional counterparts. Battery electric vehicles use three times the amount 
of copper as an old school motor car. Wind turbines require over three and a half tons of copper per megawatt of output and photovoltaic cells four to five tons of copper per megawatt. 30,000 battery electric vehicles can consume as much copper as a skyscraper. For the global passenger vehicle fleet to be one third a battery electric vehicle would mean 300 million battery electric vehicles or 20 million tonnes of copper. <laughs> that figure is roughly equivalent to annual copper demand. Never mind all the plumbing, the wiring, the weatherproofing, the machinery, the electricals, the electronics and the multiplicity of other applications that require copper. And one forgets that there are other countries in the world that use copper, it's not just China. It is going to require a lot of fossil fuel to be burnt and a lot of pollution to get that metal out of the ground so that this green energy revolution can happen. Is the green energy revolution narrative suddenly going to go away? I doubt it very much. Views are too entrenched. It might be that an extraordinarily high copper price will change the narrative and the case for fossil fuels will get even stronger. It might be that an overwhelming case is made that because of the extraordinary metal demand and the fossil fuels required to meet that demand, green energy is not quite that green after all. I can see the argument being made, I'm sort of making it here, but I can't see it catching on. In other words, copper demand is not going away. It all looks very bullish. This is a bull market of the secular variety, it seems. That means it's going to go on for many years. Copper slipped below $2 a pound in March last year. For the chartists out there, it formed a wonderful five-year double bottom with the lows of early 2016. It's since made its way steadily up and sits today around $4.50 a pound. And it closed April at the exact price, almost to the penny, that it closed 10 years earlier at the peak of its last bull market in April 2011. Now, it could be that we form a multi-year double top and that it pulls back from this incredibly historically price-sensitive point after what's been a bonanza year. But the momentum is up, demand is escalating, supply look, it's, looks like it's coming under pressure. And once it breaks above its 2011 highs, what can I say? Look out above. Thanks very much for watching. Please subscribe to my channel and I'll be back with another video very soon. And now, enjoy the view.